What's good, Internet? It's your boy, Corey, from the Harvard Herald, and we are back with episode two of Nothing But Netflix, a basketball movie podcast on the Underdog Podcast Network. Today's movie is going to be Coach Carter, which is a really fun movie that our guest, Larry Tuminia, a.k.a. Larry Villains, has tried to get me to watch for, I mean, the movie came out in 2005, so I guess we're at almost 15 years. We're at 15 years. Not almost. We're there. We've yeah. passed it. We're, we're there. So, uh, you know, recently this movie was described to me, and I think it's pretty accurate, as uh, Mighty Ducks meets um, Remember the Titans, which I kind of liked. as a, And that really intrigued me to, uh, to finally get to watching this. It, it had nothing to do with Larry making a push. It had everything to do with that description. Gordon Bombay and Remember the Titans is what you got to watch this? <laughs> you know how I feel about Gordon Bombay and the Ducks. Okay. <laughs> um, Noted. I'm writing, jotting that down. <laughs> so, basically, what this movie is, is Coach Carter, and this is a true story, takes a ragtag group of kids to the playoffs, high school kids, like, you know, just a total mess, turns them around, gets the kids to – be great, you know, at, uh, students, great athletes, understand what team is all about and family and, you know, kind of against all odds, make this playoff push for a school that hadn't had any of that success for a very long time, basically since he had played there. And, you know, he was a guy who held team record, I think, in points and assists um, all time for that school. So he came back to coach those guys and really turn things around. Now, one of the reasons that I think I was so hesitant to watch this movie for so long is because, and I've come to grips and, and, and I realize I'm wrong about it, is that Samuel L. Jackson was the star. And I guess this is what they call growing up. <laughs> yeah, I like, guess this is it. So for the longest time, I thought that I didn't like Samuel L. Jackson. And, and, and I've come to realize I like every single movie that he's, <laughs> that he's in. Well, that's good because you like every single movie, so that works out together. Well, n not so fast. In our, in our 16-year friendship... I already know where this is going. There's, there are three, I think, three movies... I'm already that, mad. ...that, that I, I did not like, that you did not like. One of them was your fault. Sure. One, one of them was my fault. Sure. And one of them was both of our faults. Okay. So, my fault was snakes on a plane yeah not good featuring samuel jackson i didn't realize that snakes on a plane was supposed to be a kind of parody joke movie i don't know if it was but that's <laughs> what it turned out to be um so it wasn't very good but i, I they got me I, I thought it was an interesting premise and honestly the the gym class heroes cobra starship um theme song that that was what really reeled me in when you inevitably create a podcast where somehow you're rewatching and talking about that movie, don't call me. All right. Well, I, I don't have anybody else to call, so <laughs> you, you'll be it. This um, is exactly how we went to the movies and saw it. That's how you well, got me there. Well, let's get to your fault. Your fault, well, I don't even remember what the movie was called. It was Tom Cruise and Cameron, I don't, yes. It was not good. Uh, Night and Day. Night and with, Day. With a K. Yeah, it was like uh, some kind of action movie. That was horrible. And then the third movie, which was both of our faults, was Ghost Rider 2. Not good. Which we both liked Ghost Rider 1 for what it was. I mean, this is before, right? Is this, did Iron Man come out yet when Ghost Rider 2 came out? Ghost Rider 2, yeah. I'm going to go yeah on that. Yeah. I, so maybe we had a little bit higher expectations because if that's the case, I mean, that probably Dark Knight had already come out. I mean, Batman Begins definitely came out. So yeah, the bar had sure. been raised, but that was an absolutely atrocious movie. One of the mo worst movies we've ever seen. So those are the three movies that I, I don't like that we've gone to see. Well, the good thing Samuel Jackson's only in one of them. I feel like Samuel <laughs> Jackson, he makes great movies. He really does. He but does. He, he also loves money, which I respect about him. So it's like, he just that. takes on these roles where somehow he's in everything, like Star Wars, Avengers, and it's it, it kind of almost granted it appreciates his total net worth. It devalues the great acting ability he has, and this I think he's incredible in this movie. He's incredible. He's incredible in this movie. He really, I, if he doesn't, it it almost seems like it, it could have been a passion project. The way he was so. 
excited, like either that or I really got sold at his acting because he was passionate about the themes and the stories of this movie. And I love that about it. I think it was very powerful. I, it's going to be hard for me to picture someone else in, in a role like that of the way he handled it. Yeah, for sure. And he, uh, he is a basketball fan. And the actual Coach Carter said that, he, that Samuel was the only one who could accurately portray him. And he sure. knocked it out of the park. Um, he really did. So I want to take this time to formally apologize to Samuel Jackson <laughs> to let him know and, and the world know I was wrong. And all these years, it's finally time to admit it um, to the world. So, so let's, let's get into the movie a little bit. We both graduated in 2004, which means that we went to high school at the start of the millennium, that 2000 to 2004, and that is a very specific time in our lives, in, in history, just the way people dressed. I mean, this movie, you watch it, if you grew up in any capacity around that time, this movie takes you back exactly to the, those moments. So I think this movie is a microcosm of that time. It yeah. literally is a, it is a, literally takes you on a time machine ride and puts you in that error. And I think that's one of the, my favorite things about the movie. I really enjoy the way they did that. They did such a good job of going just deep details into fashion, music, mannerisms, slang, different words and everything they used were so viable at the time where it just, they knocked it out of the park where it's almost, again, I, I, I don't know how the director went that far into detail without getting somebody's views who were 18 years old at the time for them to be able to do it. Like an example I can think of that drives me insane that just feels out of touch is uh, in the first Transformers movies, you have the two Autobots that are supposed to be, I guess, the slang wild Autobots. Yeah. And everything they're using is just so out of touch where it's just, it's not funny. I don't know who this is for. It's like they're making that almost for, you know, old white guys to think what slang is. Right. Or to, and now you, they great, did a great job with it. And you watch tra like those Transformer scenes back and they don't hold up. Not at all. They don't hold up because it's not authentic. It's not authentic. So that's where everything in this passes the genuine test. Everything comes off very genuine in this movie. Whether you love or hate the time, they, they take you into that time machine and you're in that time. Yeah, 100%. And so, I mean, this, the, the movie's supposed to take place in 2005. Um, so this, this is right around that time, a year after we graduate. What is the most 2005 thing about the movie? Uh, Shanti, no. Um, I think it, the options. I'm gonna so, read. I'll, I'm gonna read you off some of the options. That, go for that, it. That, that, right. Rockaware. Okay. Has a legit fashion brand. Um, just baggy clothes in general. Um, headbands as a fashion accessory. Ooh. Kobe Adidas shoes, even nice. though he signed with Nike two years prior. Nice. Um, a half and half Celtics jersey. I like halfway, that. Uh, half home. Good time. Uh, in Ashanti's room, she has a Chingy poster. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the soundtrack. <laughs> so <laughs> it's got to be the soundtrack. The music is what really connects that you to that entire time. I mean, the fashion, everything like that, obviously. Now, with the fashion, like, again, it's not just Rockaware. You, they hit them all. You got oh, Rockaware. You got Fat Farm. You got Sean John. You got Aniche. You got the whole everything. They knocked it out of the park. Now, and, and again, it's not like they're just wearing it. It's not like they're just wearing it to be baggy. They, the people, the actors wearing this clothes, there's no way they got directed on how to wear this. Like, the, yeah, it, no, incredible. They, they knocked it out of the park exactly how to do it right and, again, pass the genuine test to take you in that time. Yeah, it was, it was the lifestyle they were, they were literally like the kids living the lifestyle, just wearing it. You would have thought they took their own wardrobe. So I, I, and I appreciate that for them taking, doing the extra mile to make that work. I would also argue that because of that, because of what the slang and the way it looks and the very heavily black, you know, cultured vibe that is given in the entire movie, 
I'm going to say it didn't do well as it should have because of it. Not that it did bad, but it has like a 68% on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm going to argue there's it's going to be hard to find other sports movies, especially black culture ones, that are going to be anywhere near as, as good as this movie, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. I mean, for comparison, last week um, we did Eddie, and Eddie was sure. 18 Eddie was 18% on Rotten Tomatoes. So. Oh. <laughs> Ooh. But yeah, no, th- I mean, this movie really, really so, made you feel the culture. I guess my, my counter to that is, I don't know what Remember the, Titan- Remember the Titans is on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm going to assume yeah. it's high. Yeah, I would say so. So that being said, like, I, I love this movie just as much as it's pound rates close up there. Remember the Titans for me. But... I bet you Mighty Ducks is not high on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> you average that out and sure. make where the 68% goes. But back to the soundtrack. Fabulous. The aforementioned Chingy. Nice. Early Kanye West. Twista. Akon. Lumi D. Um, I mean, that is like... Little John. That's it. Little John. Yin Gang Twins. Oh, that, that's an all-star team of two early 2000s hip-hop like just the club scene alone i don't even know if that exists anymore like that version yeah. of a club I mean, again i can't tell if i'm old or if that actually doesn't exist anymore it's definitely not existing the way it is in the movie in regards to reggie miller jerseys and backward hats <laughs> and headbands for sure for sure my, my one take though my hot take about um some of the music here and that club scene and just clubs in general is Get Low, the song. I think that it might be the most played song in the history of music. Well, that that genre and that era alone, I mean, kids still listen to that in in, in versions of clubs today. That's what I'm saying. That genre of music at that time, though maybe less appreciated by the elders at that time, I guess now that we're catching up to being that version of the elders – it is by far some of the most appreciated music there is, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. And uh, you go to a club, every, no matter where you are, every club in the country, and I'm sure around the world, that song is is played in some capacity at that night, probably multiple times. So um, that's my hot take. So if anybody wants to debate me on that and tell me it's like a Beatles song or something, I don't know. I don't hear the Beatles at the club. guess they don't slap like that. That's a point. I do want to talk about Channing Tatum in his first role (laughs) um because you know watching it like he was good in it he he played his role perfectly but you know I I would have never thought that he'd be like a megastar after this movie I mean after this I I don't know it was I guess somebody took the chance to step up I mean that's really that was the next that was the break from here right it had to be step up from here yeah so, and that's where they just took a chance. I mean, for his first movie, they gave him a lot of lines. Like, he talked yeah. a lot, and he nailed it. He of did. what that character, what that person was, of what that original John Cena character is. Like, they yeah. nailed it at that time, for sure. Yeah. He, I mean, everything uh, about him in that that role, You there was somebody in your life, if you were around basketball around that time, who looked like that. For sure. Who dressed like that, who just, you know, was wearing all of the clothes that you would watch in a rap video that, you know, where we grew up, he probably got in, uh, you know, sweats and jeans or, you know, a store like that in the mall. For and, sure. Uh, yeah, he, he very much so represented that, which, I mean, leads me to believe, like, I feel like that was him when he was younger. Well, I think that just, again, it gives you the whole high school experience. I mean, not just Channing Tatum, but just everyone in general is, is that this is what, this is just what fashion was. And it happened in regards to, you know, a school like the one in the movie where it's actually, you know, this school's not, doesn't seem to be in a great city, great location, everything like right. that compared to, you know, suburban schools that are maybe not as bad of areas. However, they still dress exactly the same treating that they are. (laughs) And speaking of the contrast of like, you know, uh, the two different kinds of schools, you know, when, when they get to the Bayville tournament in that gym that they, they end up winning. If you look at the lighting, it's so it's lit up so bright. Sure. It looks like money. 
<laughs> and then you go to their gym and you right. look at lighting and it's just dim and grimy. And that is, as somebody who's been in a lot of different high school gyms um, for basketball events, that's exactly what it's like. You go, you go to some school on the right side of the tracks and it almost could represent like, like a, a division three college court. Whereas, you know, one of the other schools might look like it's been there since, you know, the 60s. That's where I think the, 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 the director and the film editor do such a great job, again, with small details just like that, where it's, it almost comes across as a passion project, as if this is something, a story that he wrote yeah. and that he was excited to be it. It it's almost comes off as that he wrote, starred, and directed, uh, you know, a movie. Like, it was a passion project in that regard, and that's just – they did a great job with those small little details to really give you the real feel of the experience. One of the other ways that you get that real authentic experience in a sports movie, which is so important is whatever the sport is, the sports scenes have to be good. Sure. And in a movie like that has basketball in it, where everything moves so quickly, I mean, it's really easy to screw it up. And I thought the basketball scenes really held up. I think they were really well done. I think it might be the best basketball scenes in a movie. I've watched it three times over the last two days. <laughs> I'm going to go I'm, – I'm not – again, I also seen it on a date in 2005. It didn't work out. But I also watched it three times in the last two days. Now, I can't think of another movie where they, everybody looks fluid. Everyone looks like they've actually dribbled the basketball before. The shot – you know, you, you take certain shots – from certain people in different movies, like there's their form is horrendous. Right. This, they did a great job. I think across the board with the actual basketball and style of play as well. Sure. I'm sure not all these kids can play basketball, but they did a great job. If it's just film editing, whatever the case may be, it led me to believe that these kids actually can play basketball. And it seems like you're watching a high school basketball game. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's definitely up there for some of the top scenes, you know, like going back to last week's episode where I did Eddie literally every basketball player on the floor is pretty much an NBA player. So the basketball scenes <laughs> look pretty good. I haven't seen Eddie in easily 20 years. So, but, but this movie, like everybody that's playing, they're like the main star is they're actors. Pretty yeah, much, for sure. you know, and, and that's where the difference is. It's not, you know, Rick Fox and Mark Jackson right. acting, but they're basketball players first. Like a lot of these guys are actors first, like Channing Tatum, didn't play basketball before he filmed this and he had to train very hard. Right. They, the actors themselves, they trained five hours a day playing basketball. That's like and that dedication to be able to come off the realism. I think that's important, you know, in this actual movie in that regard, I think that you see it, you see the work. Yeah, for sure. And like the other thing about that makes this movie so great is, you know, the teamwork aspect and the whole point of the movie about him trying to build them up as, as men and, and get them to play the game the right way and live their lives the right way. I mean, when, you know, Cruz quits in the beginning and then he comes back and, and coach Carter tells him that he has to do a thousand suicides and 2000 pushups by Friday, or he can't come back to the team, which is an impossible task. And then Friday comes, he he gets close, but doesn't actually make the cut. And coach Carter says, thanks for coming. Don't show up tomorrow. And then Channing Tatum's character makes the move and says, I'll do some pushups for him. And I think that's also big because it's also showing because Cruz at that time in the beginning of the movie has been messing. He's been joking. He's been teasing yeah. Channing Tatum's character. So for Channing Tatum's character to take that, that first step, I think it's a big first step in showing that, hey, you know, all jokes aside, I will step up for the teammate. We are a team. And I think that's – that's a, it's an incredible point in the movie, and I think that's where it's capturing the most important thing and the thing that I love about sports is stuff like that. It's just a team aspect. We are a unit as one. It, it divided or individualism will not succeed. Right. I mean, like the line is literally one person struggles, we all struggle. One person triumphs, we all triumph. And I, I feel like that scene, like it gave me chills. The, like that's the embodiment of why you play sports. 
100%. So, so you could lift somebody up on your shoulders when, when they're hurting and knowing that they'll do the same for you when the time comes. Um, so I, you know, that scene in itself is, is incredible. Like, and then, you know, there's a ton of other scenes that are, give you the feels throughout the movie that we'll get to later. Um, but some of the other things, the basketball, when they go on the winning streak, right. And uh, they're rolling. So they get a little cocky, you know, they're talking trash, kind of taunting or whatever. Cruz pulls up for three on a fast break at one point. <laughs> and uh, Coach Carter is not happy about that, even though he hits it. Talk about ahead of your time. It's great. Because I mean, it is ahead of your time for sure. Who knew? I guess he knew where the NBA was going. But everyone knows that player. Anybody's ever played basketball, there's that guy on the team. They know, it, it exists. It's for it, every team. It's the no, 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 yes guy. It's right. incredibly frustrating. But, you know, you can't say anything. It's entirely frustrating. It's hard to argue to make the extra pass to keep hitting shots. Right. If it goes in, how are, you're going to tell him not to shoot that? And it just it's perfect because it also just fits Cruz's personality. Right. It, it just fits it perfect. Cruz is the, the keeping it real guy. Right. It's almost like they, they found the basketball stereotypes as well and just fit the characters into them <laughs> that this makes sense of what this player is. Yeah. And, it, and that it goes on with the entire you know, embodiment of that specific character or your personality also fits the player. It connects. Yeah, for sure. So, I, I mean, like I said, the basketball scenes are incredible. I have two nitpicks. Okay, let's do it. For the basketball scenes. Two and a half because one of the – one thing is coach Carter wears a suit to practices and that's insane because you can't show, you can't demonstrate anything. It's going to be really hard to do that in a suit. I, I get his point. He's trying to sure. be professional and everything, but like, you know, you could still wear athletic clothes to practice. Sure. I buy that as well as they're also in California and there's a lot of bubble jackets going on. I'm not sure. Even in the, in the winter in, in California, I don't know about bubble jackets. A bubble jacket is very well insulated. Right. It's very warm. Sure. You're, warm, you're, you're warm in a bubble jacket when it's snowing. Like maybe from being from New York, that's why I see these fashions. I'm like, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah, right. But in, in California, you know, I, I don't know where – can you buy these clothes? Can you buy a jacket in California? <laughs> I don't know. You might – you have to do it online at this point. Right. Um, so one of my other nitpicks is in the tournament versus Bayville – so they make a comeback. Bayville goes up one with nine seconds left after hitting a free throw. So we're in a dead ball situation. Bayville's coach does not have them put any pressure at all with nine seconds left up one. Sure. Not even a light pressure. This was after the missed free throw when Trey Lyle, uh, Channing Tatum's character, got called for the block. So they missed the free throw and they get the ball. And then, yeah, so then – Trey Lyle gets the, gets called for a block. They missed the free throw. He says, "You know why they missed the free throw? Is because they're tired." Yeah, and but this, this, yeah, and then this is the last right. right. And then, yep. And, yeah. So he literally the co like shame on the Bayville coach <laughs> because he just some light pressure. It does you don't have to full court press because obviously if they break it, it's a layup. But make them push get the ball up the court in a hurry so they don't have time to think about what they're doing. Um, so that's just a bad coaching error on, on his part. He, he so, deserved to lose that game. I think it was also cool in that scene where um, Damian, the coach's son, didn't – option number one wasn't there. So yeah. I thought that was a cool twist to the actual scene. You know, it's not common in sports movies where they drove a whole play and immediately, immediately didn't work. And they had, yeah, it didn't work. He had to switch to option two and, you know, just go, go in for a good shot. I think that was a cool – That you know, is addition to the scene. I don't know how real that is, but no, that, I mean, that's how it works, right? <laughs> uh, that's how, that's some, well, that's what it's real in real life, but in real, what happened yeah. in the story. Movie magic, that, movies that doesn't happen, but no, you know, that, in, in real life, very rarely are you going to get your, your first option out of a play. And they, I think they just did it right in that regard where in like, again, if this was like a 1995 movie, he would have went up and dunked with two hands over two people. Like it would have just looked cheesy and ridiculous, but yeah. if not, it was, it was kind of a, you know, a, a lay in from mid. And I, I guess, you know, last part of the basketball scenes that we talk about, I mean, naming the offense and the defense after all of the women in coach Carter's life, 
is, is genius. I mean, you know, when he just goes into talking about how his sister Diane was always up in his face, always getting into him. So that's what our man defense is going to be called. I mean, if you're a player, you, you're, you're just like, I know that feeling like it makes you have a deeper connection than just calling it five or man or 25, whatever you're like, whatever you typically call it on a basketball court, it gives you that extra, like little motivation to be like, I, I, I know what you're trying to get me to do now. Yeah. It's like connection to exactly what you're supposed to be doing as well as remembering while disguising what the plays actually are. Right. Which I mean, you know, one of the things in, in high school basketball is if a team goes into a two, three, what's the call? 23. Sure. 32 for or a three, two. Right. Um, you know, 21, if you're going to do a two, two, one, pre- like all of everybody knows what the calls are. Right. You know, and it takes a little bit of scouting. I mean, even if you scout a high school basketball game, you go to the game, you hear Diane and you're like, Oh, that's what their man defense is called. If all of the calls are names like actual names of people as a kid in real time, you're not going to remember what each person's name translates to. Absolutely not. So that, that is just like an incredibly brilliant tactic um, to use just in real life. Well, obviously you're a team of boys too. And what of all, you know, boys, right. basketball teams like that, they love women. So it's a great way to obviously catch their attention as well to, uh, to really drive the point home. Yeah. So one last gripe when he shuts the gym down, which, you know, is obviously like, this was what kind of got the movie going. This, this made national attention in, in, you know, real life where this undefeated team shuts down their season um, until these kids get their grades up, which is, you know, obviously if you're a kid, you're like, screw this. Like, this is insane, but you can appreciate what he was trying to do for them. And I think, you know, if you go back and you read some interviews and whatnot, the kids appreciate what he was trying to do in pushing them to, you know, live up to their commitments and be the best version of themselves. But with that said, when they finally come back in the film, they don't miss a beat. They're just smashing teeth. (laughs) Right. Like they're not, there's no rust. (laughs) Like these kids have been locked up in a library and they just come back and there's absolutely no rust for a team that like the season prior won, what was it? Like four games, four games. So like, regardless of their talent, like you figure there might be a little bit of rust, no rust. They just keep going on smashing, smashing teams. <laughs> sure. I think that's uh, I mean, that's obviously it's a flawed system, you know, in some of these schools still today. So I think it's an incredible point that, you know, winning, Being on a good high school basketball team, what's more important, that or preparing for your future? And one, you know, he was trying to get one to help the other and then drive that point home that you can be winners on the floor. That's great. But winners in life is what's more important. And again, it's a student athlete, student first. I think it's an incredible point and a flawed system that still exists today. Oh, big time, big time. And, and, you know, you see it in the movie and it's, it's so real that parents, you know, Parents love their kid on the team. Sure. I think that, yeah, that was a great – I got a gripe, too. I got to bring it up. Okay. Let me forget. So I got a gripe, too, about a point. However, I think – yeah, I think, you know, that's where I, – I think the movie did a really good job in hitting – there's a storyline based around what's going on in people's lives at that time with each different character. They, you know, they obviously have their basketball storylines, but then they have their personal storylines. So yeah. the parents and teachers – you know, you know more than anyone, that's a real thing. Yeah. Regard, or coach, I'm sorry, coaches and parents, that that's a real thing of, you know, obviously the parents, their interest is their kid. Scouts are coming to see my kid. We have to play the game. Right. So that's where, you know, that again, it's another realistic thing that people can relate to that the movie really drives home the point. But again, the individualism of each character having different issues with going on, I think they're great to be able to capture these 10 11 12 storylines between different people you know you have the one one player who's going dealing with a pregnant was uh, you know ashanti who's pregnant yep. you have um the cruise who's uh, uh, you know he's obviously going through some stuff he's got to be involved in his cousin obviously he's on the street. shady 
not doing something not something great yeah. you know you had these different characters have different storylines that are going on at the same time yeah and uh, it's it's really hard to mesh that all together in an hour and a half hour and 45 minutes and make you actually sure. care about that's it it makes you actually care and make you actually yeah. feel something besides caring you feel something in regards to this when ashanti's talking about the pregnancy you make you you know you feel something when cruz is having his meltdowns you're feeling something in that regard. And I think they just did a great win. When Junior Battle, you know, he's trying to he's trying to go to college based off of, you know, him just playing the game. And his mom is the one getting mad. You feel those those are real things and real storylines that people really relate to. Yeah. And, you know, like, that's why the scene where they're in the, in the you know, after the board votes to override Coach Carter's ban. I got two gripes. Okay. Well, so so after the, that. so after the board votes, um, the players, you know, take it upon themselves to continue the ban until yeah. they get their grade point average, and that's what leads to Cruz's scene, which is like the Dead Poet Society, you know, oh captain, my captain, where he, you know, does that, you know, long quote about His what deepest fear. my deepest fear is, which yeah. is, you know, Coach Carter has been asking him from the beginning because he's a kid who who acts so hard and has this hard exterior but when it comes down to it you know he is a human being with real emotions um funny thing about that quote um which you know basically is him saying my biggest fear is being the best version of myself and being successful which i think is something that everybody feels um you know taking the chance to be great is hard um, when you have so many different things pulling at you from different directions. But that quote in particular um, is attributed to Nelson Mandela. Right. Not actually by N- Nelson Mandela. Right. <laughs> Correct. Uh, is, is this your gripe? No, that's not my gripe. I mean, I know those things, not my gripe. Yeah, yeah. so it's by Marianne Williamson, who was uh, Oprah's spiritual advisor and had a right. very short uh, 2020 um, democratic presidential bid um, just a few months ago so it's really about by her but um still you know great seat and great quote and really the way that they built his character up you you felt it it's just it's very emotional at that point yeah and it's just having that stern figure in his life i mean obviously it was, it was lucky that he wasn't next to his cousin while whatever was going down right and i think that was just you know most stories don't turn around it, it, you're, you know, he usually falls in his cousin's footsteps. And that's where I love the situation of, you know, when Coach Carter has the kids after the media and everything like that. And he says, look at your parents, ask yourselves, do you want better? That hits home because who yeah. doesn't, who wants to be a lesser version of their parents? Nobody. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Um, so what's your gripe? And- oh, so I got two gripes. Um, one is... The judge vote. Or I'm sorry. The jur- the vote for that, yeah, whether or not the so the vote six people. <laughs> that <laughs> so doesn't make any sense. <laughs> what if they tie? <laughs> what if they tie? What do you do then? <laughs> and they start off with two people saying the lockout continues, and it goes to a four-two sweep afterwards. Yeah, backdoor why sweep. Would, why would you? That make, that makes no sense. Why would you have six people on this vote? <laughs> That's, I mean, yeah, that doesn't make the, the odds don't work there. You could just split and then you're in the same position. Uh, My second gripe is, you know, I think they're kind of running out of time dealing, dealing with the, you know, numerous storylines that they were trying to get done. And they kind of like started this one and then they were kind of like, you know what? We don't got time for it is uh, the coach's son being a thing. So the coach's son being on the team and everything like that. And worm was already, you know, giving him a hard time that, Oh, coach's son, you're a freshman. Yeah, you're gonna, you know, prep school. right? You're gonna take your let's take my spot and all, you know, trying to stand up to him. And then within a few minutes, um, that's just not a thing anymore. And they the sun, it's starting, yeah, starting point guard. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that I that you know, they it seems like they started that and they just kind of like we don't got time for this. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree with that. They, I mean, very rarely, even like he he made like the game winning play that we talked about earlier. And then everyone's like, oh, he can ball. We're good. We love him. Let's give him all the minutes. That's not how things work in, with high school kids who have all of these emotions and want playing time themselves. Um, are we talking about endings or no? About what? 
endings? Like, are we talking about endings? Like, are we spoiling movies or anything like that? Yeah. 15 years old. Okay. Because right. we, we keep talking about this movie like he won, they won in the end. Yeah, no, no. We're, we're, we're going to get to that. We'll get to that part. But, I mean, they, they had to. They, they couldn't win. No. Because in the movie, and that was one of the things, as the movie kept going on, I'm like, they're not going through any adversity. They just sure. keep winning. So, you know, they, they absolutely had to lose in the playoff game. Um that they had set up, you know, in the beginning of the movie when they, they originally play the team and get, they get killed by yeah. Ty Crane, the next LeBron James. So they, they, they did, they had to lose. Cause I mean, outside of, you know, the adversity they had in their personal life, the lockdown or whatever on the court, everything was roses. Right. Um, you know, and, and <laughs> to the point that after they win the Bayville tournament, they go to the after party, they get invited <laughs> to the after party. Um, Coach Carter is a little bit of a block. and uh you know he he makes like uh you know a a big speech on the bus about how everybody's getting happy showboating and all that stuff but but yeah they they had to lose in the playoff game yeah i mean it's like it was written that way that's what really happened and in the actual uh in the actual when this script everything was pitched they pitched it they wanted them to win and the real Ken Carter was like, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> that make, that, it literally goes against everything the movie's about. Well, that's it, is that the winning wasn't done on the court. These kids yeah. went to college. That's the winning. That's the that's point. The it's, not, it's not about the basketball. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I, I mean, I'm really glad because as it was going on, I'm like, oh, I really hope they don't win. Right. Sure. Because it would defeat everything. And since they kept winning, kept winning. Like, yeah. I thought they were going to lose the Bayville game. 1995 version they win yeah for sure for sure um and if it was like a disney movie or something instead of like an mtv made this movie if it was a disney movie they win so let's talk about saint francis and ty crane they set it up that ty crane is the next lebron james that's like the first thing that the you know the the analyst says and this is in 2005 so lebron got drafted in 2003 and that's what i was th- that's what i was saying too is that i'm shocked they like are already we're already next lebron jamesing then yeah, which is crazy because, you know, that's obviously a theme in every few NBA drafts is this guy is the next LeBron. As well it, as they had to film this movie, obviously. I mean, the, the movie was released January 13th, 2005. Wow. So it's not even like this was heavy in the 2005. So they had to be filming early 04. We're not, yeah. even, done with, we're not even done with LeBron's first season. Yeah, which, which is insane. You know, <laughs> everybody knew LeBron was a can't-miss prospect, and he had been famous at that point for a couple of years already. But, I mean, I, had LeBron played a playoff game at that point? <laughs> you know, like, I don't nope. – You know, so that, that, that was an interesting part of the movie that, that makes you be like, oh, wow, this kind of this kind of holds up a little bit just sure. from the jump. But So I wrote a little scouting report on Ty Crane because they called him the next LeBron. Well, first off, it's kind of weird that they actually chose the next LeBron. Like, it obviously makes sense because LeBron – it makes sense today because LeBron's great. Yeah. But there, this could have been a different – like, let's say that didn't work out. Because, again, it's so early on, then this feels completely out of touch. Yeah, I mean, if LeBron gets injured. It's like this could be the next Dwight Howard. <laughs> it started off great and straight from high school and everything like that. That very yeah. well could be – something in the movie a few years later like same idea it is it's the same idea and it's around that time as well right um so that was a big risk and uh but what i think is funny about it is that watching him play i'm like this guy's the next lebron james no way he lives up to it right so here's here's what i got one he's a lefty which i do love he looks about he's what he's like six seven six eight ish sure probably Decent wingspan, but it doesn't look like it's anything crazy. Um, wasn't a, a blow-your-mind athlete. He might look that way on the court with other high school athletes, but, you know, he's not like this uh, outrageous athlete. The next wall dang. Well, <laughs> doesn't have a big right hand. Pretty good stroke. You know, pretty good stroke. Um, but at the time, we're shooting a lot of mid-range jumpers, so we don't know if he could stretch it out. Sure. Bit of an attitude problem. <laughs> Complains to the refs, talking a lot of trash. Are we? Sh- he does hit the game winner. I'll give him that. So he's clutch. Sure. 
But are we sure he's not the next Michael Beasley? Nice. Or the first Michael Beasley. <laughs> he's probably the first Michael Beasley. That <laughs> that fits the description pretty well right there. It's hard to argue that. <laughs> so, but I mean, so think about it. Like, how does his career play out? <sighs> I mean. Because he's going straight to the pros. Right. You get you get named the next LeBron James. You're going straight to the pros. So, I think it goes like this. I how would he, how his career plays out? I think, in a sense, you know, use the comparison of Beasley, which I agree with. However, I think it's going to be based around the team that drafts him. It's yeah. to see what team that, that he goes to. You know, he goes to a great situation. It's a different story compared to you know not. I don't think he would be a, a can't miss prospect. Where right. if he went to Cleveland in 2003, he'd make it work. Let's flesh that out. Let's see. Right. Let's talk about where he's going to get drafted. <laughs> um, so this is the 2005 draft. Okay. First overall, Andrew Bogut. Second yeah. overall, he goes to Milwaukee, I believe. Second right. overall, Marvin Williams to the Atlanta Hawks. Sure. Third overall, Darren Williams. So, Utah Jazz. Right. Fourth, Chris Paul. Um, fifth, Raymond Felton. Sixth, Martel Webster. That's our first prep to pro. Yep. Seven, Charlie Villanueva. Eight, Channing Fry to the Knicks. Great rookie year. Uh, nine, Ike Diagu. Ten, Andrew Bynum. Some other guys who got drafted straight out of high school from that draft. We have Gerald Green, who was ranked number one overall that year. He went 18 to the Celtics. We have Martel Webster, like we said. He was the fourth-ranked prospect over uh, high school prospect in that class. He went sixth. Andre Bloch, fifth-ranked high school prospect. Uh, prospect he went 49th Lou Williams sixth ranked high school prospect he went 45th Bynum seventh ranked high school prospect he went 10th and then Monte Ellis Monte Ball have it all third ranked high school process uh prospect he went 40th so we're in a time that I think teams are already starting to get scared off a little bit by the high school to pro prospect because some of the guys, you know, I mean, Lou Williams, who's still balling, but 45th. Monte Ellis, 40th. Andre Blash, 49th. You know, these guys going so late. I mean, even Gerald Green, who is a jump-out-of-the-gym athlete with a stroke, goes 18. Um, and Martel Webster, who's the first high school prospect taken, he goes to Portland. You're coming out of the, the Jailblazers era. Right. You're, draft, you're trying to draft a good kid who is from the Pacific Northwest, you know, so that's almost like maybe just an error in judgment based on situation. And then you're for, really, then you got Andrew Bynum, who's just a huge human being and bigs are still kind of, you know, in vogue at the time. So where does he go? Who does he go ahead? I mean, I'm thinking he's going probably in the six, seven or nine spot. So I'm probably going to go – I'd probably still take him over – I think he's going to go six to, to Portland in that regard because if you're hyping him up as the next LeBron James, you're seeing the success LeBron's having, Yeah, I would be less afraid of him being a you know, high school prep. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, that LeBron moniker probably – gives him the nod over a guy like Martel Webster. And if he's, he's the number one overall prospect, I think that makes it a little bit easier to uh, take a shot on. So he, he probably does, does take that. What, what I am quite, so what, what I am wondering is I would have to look into it because th there was a draft uh, that day, the jazz, the, so the actual first pick between, or I'm sorry, the, the actual jazz have the third, uh, they have the sixth pick. Right, and Portland has the third pick. There's a there's a trade that day. Was that yeah. was that this was that a same day trade or was that prior? Do you recall? I'm, I think it was a draft day trade. So it was a draft draft day he trade. That means he'd probably go third. They mm. probably didn't trade. Because mm, that, if that's the case, then because if that's the case, he would go third because yep. they wouldn't trade him. They want him. Right. So he still goes to um you know then Portland. he would still go to Portland. Yeah. And then. Deron Williams would go to the Hornets. Do you think the Hornets take Deron, Deron Williams over Chris Paul anyway? I don't know. I mean, Deron Williams, he, he had a lot of hype then. It's rough. Chris he Paul's did. still undersized. 
he yeah that's true i mean then so about, ray felton went to what charlotte charlotte so let's just say because then chris paul will go to charlotte and just can in in theory who knows what would have happened with that team then yeah i mean because <laughs> they were the bobcats then they still weren't the hornets yeah and, and i think he does go there because you know Raymond Felton is coming off a North Carolina championship. Um, he goes to North Carolina, so you have the Charlotte ties. But Chris Paul's at Wake Forest, so he's in, he's in North Carolina too. So you're still getting a local kid who's, you know, I think universally was ranked as a better prospect than Raymond Felton. Yeah, that's, for sure. I mean, that changes a lot. I, I think, and I think that's probably how it would have played out. I mean, if they took Duran, if the uh, if the Hornets would have took Duran over Chris Paul, who knows? You know, that, that I'm sure he could deep dive – into that but it's not worth it um but i think that's where it would be in some version of the of that world of duran going to the hornets or basically the bobcats yeah and then duran doesn't go to the the jazz maybe jerry sloan doesn't retire when he does <laughs> that's it's probably true i mean this is that's a whole different universe i mean like you said like chris paul ends up in charlotte he's probably a hero there he like he could I mean, who knows? Did Jordan get to buy the team? <laughs> I mean, we're that's we're shaking up the entire universe. Putting time <laughs> speaking of which, the inspiration for Ty Crane's character is Tyson Chandler, right? Which is interesting because he plays nothing like <laughs> Ty Crane. No, doesn't resemble him even in looks at all. Not even really Player. attributes of like size like, and body or anything like that. Nothing. No. And Tyson Chandler was drafted before LeBron. Right. <laughs> so it'll, a lot of moving parts there. I read that and I, I <laughs> seen that before. I, I don't know. I don't know they went with that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's a this hypothetical draft. I mean, Ty Crane. I who knows? I mean, he probably has like a similar career to Marvin Williams. Sure. Right, because Beasley would still – I mean, it, you saw the Nets sign him. Beasley could still get buckets. Right, like Beasley could still ball. So, you know, they, that was never the question with him. The whole – it was everything oh. else with his personality. So if Ty Crane's got his head on straight, he's probably still playing. No, I think so as well. And I think he would be able to contribute somewhere, doing something. I, I think it really is going to come down to – I think it's going to come down to the team that drafts him. You know, yeah. at the time, if the Blazers draft him, I, I, you better hope they make it to Brandon Roy in time. Where Brandon Roy is what, 2006? What was yeah. Brandon Roy? Yeah, I think so. So I think that's where, you know, granted, if they got Ty Crane, maybe they don't get Brandon Roy. So I think that's where, you know, it comes down to seeing. They probably still do. I mean, he's, he's going to be a high school kid coming, you know. Yeah, I guess. Good point. It's not like he's helping him win or anything like that. Right. So, I, yeah, I guess it really comes down to that, to see exactly what the atmosphere will be of, of what happens, will be the, you know, the outcome of his career. Kind of like, in my opinion, what we're seeing with Devin Booker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Devin Booker lands in, you know, a different spot. He's, what, a – second team all NBA player probably if he if he if you switch Devin Booker and Bradley Beal and the same team the same time that Bradley Beal got drafted is it much much different like healthy John Wall right no I mean he's, he's is it much a, much different no no I think and and if you put Bradley Beal on the the Suns team I mean, it's, we've seen it kind of last year, right? right. Or, or this year or whatever. You saw it this year, you know, with no John Wall. I mean, right. the Wizards are trash. Yeah, he's for sure. Bradley Beal averaged over 30 points a game, and the Wizards still sucked. Yeah. So, you're, it, you're right. There wouldn't be much of a difference. You, you get him to a good situation with real players, and you're looking at, you know, a guy who's going to be looked at as a, a virtual lock for an all-star team every single year probably starting at some point so right yeah it, that's what it all comes down to usually I mean is if you're not Luca Zion Anthony Davis level prospects where it doesn't matter where you land your team is going to be great regardless sure and it, and it still helps to have a good situation around you obviously. oh 100 percent, yeah but you know for the most part most prospects aren't like that so it does come to uh, I mean if RJ Barrett dropped on a different team I bet it'd be a little bit better <laughs> 
I still have faith that RJ had a, a fine rookie year. I mean, the, I got no problems with RJ. Big, the big coaching, it's a big coaching decision for the Knicks. <laughs> I got no problem with RJ. I, I think I'll, tell you, great. I'll tell you what, I'm on the Tibbs bandwagon. I long for the days of Tom Thibodeau on the sideline for the Bulls. I know that I was quick by the end of the, his tenure to be like, I'm ready to move on. There's only so much Joe Kim Noah at the top of the key running dribble handoffs that I can take anymore. But man, does that sound better than with the Bulls now. <laughs> the last, last segment that we're going to run, and uh, this one's way, way harder than what we did with Eddie because part of the charm in this movie is that there aren't a lot of big-time stars outside of Samuel L. Jackson. You know, like even the guys who were cast in the movie that did go on to have good careers, they weren't really famous at the time. Right. This movie kind of made them who they were. So we're going to try to remake the movie now and recast it, which again is going to be hard. So I, you know, I wrote out a list of guys to throw out who knows if it works, it might work better with just random people that no one's ever heard of. But uh, for coach Carter, you know, there's very few people that could pull the role off. Um, So I thought uh, Mahershala Ali. Sure. I thought, I think that he's, got like the gravitas to be able to pull this role off no i think that's great i mean obviously denzel can do anything but now we're really getting expensive again with this movie right um i think denzel overpowers it at this sure. point in his career early denzel or even like around you know remember the titans era like not saying he wouldn't crush it but i think he overpowers the scenes just because he has so much star power himself. I want to see like Chadwick Boseman do it, but like he's, he, I need him to be bigger. He needs to be taller because coach Carter is also not intimidating, but you know, he's got stature. Yeah. Samuel Jackson's a big guy. So yeah. I, I need more in that regard for sure. Um, one, one point for your Denzel uh, suggestion I'd like to know how they'd work a gun into the movie. <laughs> That's easy. <laughs> because it's the same way they did it in Remember the Titans. <laughs> when someone throws a rock through Coach Carter's window, he, he runs out outside with a gun. The one same of, thing that happened in Remember the Titans. One, one, of, uh, one of Larry's <laughs> long-running um, beefs with Denzel Washington movies is that he has to have a scene where there is a gun in every movie that he's in every movie and every you know, single one i try to go through and try to find something that he does i mean he ha- he literally has a movie that's called two guns <laughs> so that it's if you go and you go through his filmography and his imdb page he has it's there's what, what really broke me was uh pelham one two three that's the one that broke me <laughs> because another true story that movie He's just a train operator yep. in the beginning of the movie. And by the end of it, him and Travolta are on a gun shootout on a bridge. And Travolta's a hardened criminal. He knows how to use one. Like, this is what the police are supposed to be doing. And he just went to a full gunfight. And, end, and it ends with him walking home with a gallon of milk. Like, you just kill, like, just another day at the office, babe. <laughs> that, it just kills me. Kills me. <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, so, so that's why we can't have Denzel in this movie. Cause I, I think we're forcing a, a gun into it where it doesn't need to be. Sure. Um, so Damien Carter, coach Carter's son, Robert Richard is the actor. I don't know how much you knew about him previous to this movie, but sure he was enough. in a, uh, a television show on Nickelodeon, uh, that was written, co-written by, uh, Nick Cannon. Nice. He's not having a great time right now. Not a good time for him. And, uh, but it was called Cousin Skeeter. It was with Megan Good. And uh, Robert Richard. And basically the premise of the show was about a family. And he lives with his cousin Skeeter, who is a puppet. So I have more questions. So are they, uh, do they just pretend that the puppet is like a human? Is it alive? Is it a conscious thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like Alf? It's his cousin. Yeah, it's like Alf. Okay. So that was, that was where I knew him from. He was also, (laughs) after this, he also, uh, Made a movie with uh, Alicia Cuthbert called uh, House of Wax that uh, that had uh, Paris Hilton in it. That was a horror movie, 
And uh, I think that was the last horror movie I had the stomach to watch by myself. And I don't watch horror movies anymore. So if this is not ever going to turn into a horror movie podcast. <laughs> nice. But it will, in fact, be a um, probably like one or two season at max Nickelodeon show podcast. Because there's at least like 50 of those that you can cover. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to go into Wild and Crazy Kids. Um, <laughs> I, I, I would go more of uh, My Brother and Me. My Brother and Me is incredible. And there's a basketball uh, episode <laughs> where Kendall Gill comes in. That's right. I actually tweeted at Kendall Gill about it, and he responded to me. Nice. He's super proud of it. <laughs> um, so for his character, <laughs> I I really it's hard because you need him to be. He plays a freshman, so you need you need the, the the kid to be young enough that he could pull off being a freshman. And what I came up with, and it's all contingent on he has to look good on a basketball court, is Caleb McLaughlin from Stranger Things. That makes sense. Yeah, I really have no idea because, again, the same idea. I don't know many young, you know, African male actors who are up and coming in that regard because that's what it is. A lot of these kids are no-name actors and everything yeah. like that. So it, it's definitely going to be hard to come up with a full cast of, you know, popular names that everybody wants to hear so they can put a face to what we're talking about. Yeah, for sure. And that's why – I'm running through this. It, this exercise was hard. I mean, Channing Tatum's character, like, I don't know if you ever watched Euphoria with Zendaya on, on uh, HBO. I know what it is. Yeah, it's a great show. You should watch it. Um, you know, like kind of like the, one of the antagonists in, in that show, Jacob Elordi. Um, like he's, you know, he, I was trying to think like up and coming kids who look like they're in high school, but also probably are like 25 who look like they could play sports. Like it, it gets hard. It's hard to cast this movie. I'm going to go with Caleb McLaughlin. That was his name, right? From Stranger Things? Yeah. I'm going to go with his girlfriend, brother from Stranger Things to play <laughs> Channing Tatum's part. I mean, you know, I, I, for a second, I did think of him too. I was like, <laughs> nice. Basically just, I'm like every kid I'm thinking of is basically just in Stranger Things. You're right. Yeah. We're you're just doing about, Stranger Things now. Yeah. You're talking about fake Zac Efron, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, oddly enough, there is a basketball scene that he's in and not great. Nice. Not great. But most basketball scenes in like eighties movies weren't great. So maybe it was not great on purpose since this is like an eighties throwback thing that they're doing in stranger things. I like your positive at, uh, look on that. Yeah. And then I, you know, I, I, for a second, I thought that Ashanti's character was going to be the easiest one. And I came, I was like, I don't know any R&B, like young <laughs> R&B singers. <laughs> So I was like, it's, I don't know. Maybe like, like Ariana Grande? She like, I, she's, I think she's too famous. That's it. They're too big now. Like there's the, there's such, like there's such a gap between you're on YouTube or you are multi-platinum dropping surprise yeah. albums. Like, like there's a gap. It's gotta be, it's gotta be a TikTok star who is like famous in like the internet world, but isn't famous in like the grand. Zendaya. <laughs> I mean, Zendaya could pull it off for sure. Sure. Um, and she would be great in it. So we'll take her. Zendaya. Cruz, I, I couldn't come up with anybody. I, so I think this, this is a hard movie to recast. It's a really hard movie to recast because it mainly has to be these up-and-coming actors and actresses to really pull it off and to put you know real names of popular – there's not many – 18 year old kids that everybody knows. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's got to be up and coming actors who make the movie. It's not established actors who are implanted into the movie. It's got to be the, the, the authenticity of the actors who do it. And I think that's the beauty of this movie is that, and the fact that this was so hard to remake with famous people in this era. Um, I, I think that's the beauty of why this movie was successful, why it holds up, because everything is authentic. It is young, hungry kids who are trying to make a name for themselves um, in their start and their some of their first roles or their at I, least their first big roles. I think again to throw back to my to my favorite spin on on this question is they make it a woman empowerment movie where Tiffany Haddish is now Coach Carter. <laughs> I think that is where do we go in 2020 with this. Has she done a serious movie yet? <laughs> this is it. This is it. Everyone, you know, all comedic stars need to take that leap. That's true. In a tent. Right. 
You heard it here first. <laughs> Coach Carter, 2021, starring Tiffany Haddish. <laughs> All right. Any final thoughts on this movie? Anything we no, missed? I, think it, I, I don't think we missed anything. Again, the point of the movie is that they didn't lose. They won because they won in real life. They're going to college. They're, you know, they're, they, they're seeing their eye on the bigger prize rather than what's right in front of them. I think it's an, it's an incredible movie that captures the actual, you know, the importance of sports in, you know, in our culture, yep. as well as the, what is the bigger picture in regards to, yes, winning the championship is nice. However, preparing yourself for a better life is more important and having a strong leader to help get you to that point and being strict on, you know, we're going to set demands. We're going to set requirements. And if you don't meet these requirements, these are the penalties for not meeting these requirements. And I think that's an important thing that we miss. It usually all all stuff like that, all structure usually gets pushed over. But if you start a structure and you hold both sides of the structure, I think that's what really sets up in my opinion for kids for greater success to know there, there is, you know, penalties or consequences for their actions. And this movie did a, uh, a beautiful job displaying all of that this movie will hold up in any era for that reason it, as dated as it could look in 20 years to, to kids um, who look at the fashion and go what is this even though at that point maybe the fashion comes back around and it, and it holds up in that regard too but but the actual theme of the movie and what you just explained is why this movie is going to you know always be one of the I think best sports movies in general I think it's best sports movies and it's just, it's the best team movie. There's not many, there's not many movies where it's all about the team and that selflessness is what really matters. And I think that's, you know, it's selflessness, selflessness amongst the team. It's not like Mr. 3000 where he's just being selfless for himself. Right. It's it's everyone's buying in. It's hard to capture a movie where everybody is buying into one ultimate goal. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh. Very well said. And I think that'll do it for uh, episode two of Nothing But Netflix. Uh, Make sure that you subscribe, uh, rate, uh, leave a review. And uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, subscribe to the YouTube, leave a comment, and uh, I'll get back to you. Thank you, Larry, for joining us. You can find Larry on social media, at Larry Villains. And uh, yeah. Hey, tell me you're watching it. Coach Carter is on Amazon right now. I watched it three times in the last two days. Love it. We'll watch it. Continue to watch it. it is, every time it's on, I'm stuck seeing it. Corey, thank you for having me on. Yep. And you can also watch it for free on Tubi, the Tubi app. So go watch it. Till next time, peace, guys.